Hello and welcome to Meet Our Makers. I am your host, Jeremy J. Fissett. On this episode, we get to meet Caitlin Demaray. Caitlin is best known as one of the singers and songwriters and the bassist of emo rock band Reiner Maria. In this chat, Caitlin and I talk about everything from the early days of Reiner Maria when she had never even picked up a bass before, all the way through to today when she's studying to become a music teacher. We also touch upon creativity in a time of crisis, what it means to be vulnerable on stage, and what it's like when you finally allow yourself to delight in the things that delight you. So please enjoy, and thank you for listening. This is me meeting Caitlin Demaray. Jeremy, can you hear me? I can hear you. Yay! Thank God. (laughs) I've already had one Zoom meeting not go through today. Oh no. I know one of these I did the other day took about 20 minutes just to get the audio to work. Well, what's going on? Do you think? I mean, I'm, people's computers, the, the the signal. I don't know. Yeah, it could just be everyone using Zoom at the same time. It's beyond uh, my ken. It's beyond my tech savvy. I don't know. Oh, me, me too, for sure. It's nice to um, hear your voice, though. How are you? Yes, I'm. You. I'm doing well. How are you? Okay. Hanging in there. <laughs> yeah, you're doing well. It depends on the day, right? Right. It does. I mean, I, uh, my weekdays and weekends are all kind of the same now. <laughs> right. So, uh, it just depends on what little things seem to happen on uh-huh. each day. Yes. Um, how well I sleep, which has been very altered lately. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, I mean, it kind of predated this whole, uh, pandemic, mm. but, um, it's definitely not helping. Mm. Oh God, no. <laughs> I just, that's just, that's anything that compounds this is just right. a nightmare. I'm sorry about the sleep thing. It's okay. I mean, I don't, I don't like not sleep. I'm just, uh, yeah. you know, I, I used to know like how to, how to just go to sleep. <laughs> it feels like mm-hmm. I don't know how to do that anymore. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, Um. for I'll sure. Fig- I'll figure it out again someday. <laughs> I know I'm not going to be that person that's like, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Because you never know, you know, like really what is going on in someone's life. And right. I, I'm not going to offer any, any, I, I, everyone's dealing with a lot of stuff. Yeah, so definitely. gosh, what a weird time, right? I know. That's kind of why I even started this uh, show. Really? I, I had been thinking about it for a while and then um always putting yeah. it on the back burner. But now that I'm sort of homebound and most people I know and most people that I don't know are also mostly homebound. Um, I yeah. figured it wouldn't be the worst time to just try to see what would happen if I try to start this. So it's been fun so far. So rad. That's so rad. I'm so happy that you agreed to come chat with me. <laughs> I, I, I like chatting one-on-one for sure. Yeah, and- me too. I mean, I have, I don't know what we're going to talk about, but I'm excited anyway. <laughs> I have some semblance of a, of a roadmap to my left. <laughs> we'll goodness. see. 
I know. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I, I, I've, I mean, this is only the fourth one I've done, and I've already had mm. ones where I come in with notes that we barely touch on, just because things come up. Sure. Um, oh, things will definitely come up here. Yeah. And well, that's usually good. they're like seven years old and eleven years old. My, ch- <laughs> my children might be the things that come up at some point. So. Yeah. Are you? Are you? Are you homeschooling them? Well, no. Or, I mean, yes, like that's online? the thing. They get online. They get. They're calling it distance learning. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm an English teacher, so we're calling that. We're calling it distance learning as well. <laughs> what level are you teaching? I'm in the high school. That's so rad. Yeah, I um, I like it. I get. I at this school, I get to teach at least one of every grade too, mm-hmm. which is really rare. It's just kind of the way it shook out for me no one else yeah. in the building really does does it like that it's just like the nature of the position I, I ended mm. up um, getting at least one class of every grade level that's so cool did you find it was hard to get a, a position like are there is there is, oh, there, yeah. is the market saturated <laughs> with English teachers right now um it must be because it is hard um mm. you know I, I remember when I was first when I was in grad school I, I mean I technically still am but when I was doing the education coursework I talked yeah. with an old professor of mine from my undergrad about becoming a professor and he was like he basically said don't because the humanities mm. are shrinking so rapidly yeah and yeah. I think I think that extends to high school because while English is still typically the only subject that is uh, required for every mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. It does seem that for every one English job opening, there's maybe five or six STEM, you know, math and science openings. Yeah. Mm-hmm, so if mm-hmm. I was a math teacher, I would have had my picking, but it's not the case for yeah. English. And I have several friends from my program who most of them have a job, but it's maybe not, you know, they might already be on their second job like I am as well. Um, mm-hmm. Just because the, yeah, the, the world of, of education is, is strange right now. For sure. Even before all this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I, yeah. So are you finding it hard? Are they finding it hard? Your kids? Uh, they're actually, well, the math they do, my son has commented that's difficult to do through distance learning, but everything else, I feel like they quite enjoy it. They, you know, like all kids and pets right now are having the time of their lives. They get to be home. I know. <laughs> they get to I mean okay now I'm I'm overgeneralizing because I'm out here in rural Connecticut so mm-hmm. they get a chance to be outside and I shudder to think if we were still living in Brooklyn how hard right. that would be to be in I an know. apartment I know I'm I'm lucky to have a yard I can go mm-hmm. sit in and, mm-hmm. and go out with the dog in and, and not have to worry about seeing anybody yeah yeah but, it's yeah but yeah I'm glad that they uh they're adjusting okay. I I would have yeah. I would have thought math would be hard too. Yeah. The yeah, math teachers it's... at my school were pretty worried because it's it's definitely something that's so individualized, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I think it helps to have that that one on one or or, or two on one sort of yeah you know, mentoring on it. English we, we um I feel like we have it pretty. Uh, I don't want to say easy like our job is easy, but I think the transition was smooth because so much of what we do is online already. Mm-hmm. you know like we found Correct, pdfs yeah. pdfs mm-hmm. of every book we're reading we found audio of every book we're reading we uh, mm-hmm. we can have discussion board style things which mimic the classroom so I, I don't feel like it's for me it's been too hard of an adjustment it's just strange it's just different mm-hmm. and what did you what school did you go through to get certified I went through Southern. Oh, you're in Southern still, yeah. Yeah, and I'm still in their English master's program. I went to University of Hartford for my undergrad. Okay. Um, 
but yeah. I'm, I'm grilling you because I'm in, I'm at UB right now, University of Bridgeport, getting my master's in music education. Yeah, I thought I had seen that you were um, through your social media presence that you were in a school. Yes. Um, was it was that student teaching? I have been doing some student teaching, okay. but um, I'm still in the program. So yeah. um, I was not teaching music at the time. I was in a second grade classroom okay. doing mostly reading support, but I did do a little bit of music support. But um, yeah, so I'm curious what's going to happen in the fall when I'm supposed to be in the classroom full time. I know. I'm wondering for myself as well, since my position is ending at the end of the school year, I don't like yeah. if we start in the fall remotely, yeah. I don't know what that will do to the hiring of new teachers. Mm -hmm. I'm very, very curious. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's nerve-wracking really good way to say it i'm curious i am <laughs> I, I like mean, I'm, that <laughs> i'm perversely curious because yeah, no for sure you know i um i ended up leaving my last job mid-year because i was um planning on on, on moving and then that didn't happen mm. um so it's been a struggle to get back in the classroom and i've been mm -hmm. trying so hard to get back in the classroom and now i'm back but mm. the whole land the whole landscape is different now because of mm -hmm. because of this cataclysmic event and i'm just mm -hmm hoping it doesn't um, make it too hard in the fall for me to find a position or you or anyone who is like, you know, trying to get their first teaching job. Yeah. <laughs> At the same time, I would also hope, and, and maybe this is optimistic, but I would also hope that people hiring might be more likely to give a job to people like you or myself who have less teaching experience than someone mm. who's coming in with 10 or 15 years, because really, if, especially if we're starting remotely, I mean, they, they might not want someone who is so rooted in the classroom. Mm. Um, mm. Interesting. You know, I, yeah. I don't know. I, like I said, that's probably optimistic. I always try to wield my general youth as a, as a good thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because when I was first interviewing, you know, I was, I was like, well, you know, I'm not set in a pattern. So sure. However you guys do it is how I'm going to do it. And I won't. Yeah. I won't be fighting you on it versus people who have 30 years under their belt are having a really hard time with this transition, I think. I know. And I feel Definitely. for them. I, I really yeah. do. Um, yeah. I can think of some older teachers at my uh, last job that I, I can imagine are probably having a hard time doing everything on the computer, but yeah. what, what are we going to do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're going to take it a day at a time. Yeah, clearly. I guess so. I mean, I've already applied to a couple places the schools are just starting to post for next year oh really okay yeah it usually starts in the spring um gets a little heavier in like may and june mm -hmm. um and then the summer has things throughout but it kind of comes in ebbs and waves and yeah i just kind of apply wherever comes up because i'm gonna need a, a spot <laughs> right and that's kind of like i had another friend who was a year behind me and she was like what's your advice i'm like you unless it's over like an hour away, just apply. Right. No, and yeah, definitely. You do have to have a radius because like once you're driving over an hour, first of all, that's going to be mind numbing. Yeah. And second of all, you, depending on what you your, the pay is, you may be losing money with the commute. Exactly. Um, so I'm in central Connecticut, so I have a pretty good radius. Yeah. Um, Although I have noticed that a lot of jobs when I was looking were, maybe it's just because I couldn't do them, but they were in Fairfield County, mm -hmm. um, right on the New York border, you know, Danbury, New Milford, all those mm -hmm. towns out there that are mm. just yeah. too far for me to get to. Yeah. And I could make it there in less than an hour or so. 
Yeah. Hopefully, fingers crossed, I'll be close. <sighs> I know. <laughs> I know it's a lot. But also we have so much time on our hands these days. I'm like finding it hard not to think about everything at once, but also mm -hmm. to think about everything at once. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, before we get really started, I need to ask, how do you properly say your last name? Oh, Demaray. So you would say Demaray. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I'm going to have to, I'm going to be, be recording an intro to this and I want to get it right. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you get a lot of people just saying Demaris. Kathleen Demarius. <laughs> That's like the telemarketer who calls. <laughs> yeah. Or the first time a teacher reads my name. Well, it's so it's Caselin, but my mom was the only one that pronounced it that way. Um, like oh, it's okay. like an old, old, older Gaelic spelling. And I just, I just surrendered and just became Caitlin and then Kate. And, you know, okay. cause it just gets tiring to say you're, I just really didn't care is what is my point. Right. You know? Yeah. Like I know my name. If people don't pronounce it exactly right, I'm not going to yeah. be, be offended or upset. So I want to talk first about this new song of yours you just put out, 5-4, um, um, mm -hmm. which is on the Folkadelphia Charity Compilation. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Correct. Um, so how did, did they come to you? How did that come about? I know Fred. I call him Fred Folkadelphia. Fred. <laughs> um, <laughs> since I started doing solo work because I toured with Mike, with Owen, Mike Kinsella, mm -hmm. and, um, Fred invited us to play in Philly then. So, um, you know, I've been social media, casual friends with him since then. And he posted that he was, um, you know, looking to artists, reaching out to people because he had this idea to do this um, compilation that um, he had like a small seed money that he wanted to use to start it. And then mm -hmm. after the first round, it would be renewed by the donations that would come in, you know, once the, the first one was released. Mm -hmm. So um, he commissioned the artists that are on this first compilation me included and um so whatever money comes in to you know to download it then goes directly to the next group that's oh, going to okay. be the next um the next one and he's he was so psyched we've already paid for the next one which oh, wow. which is just like incredible like yeah. over over like two or three days wow, so that's great yeah i mean it's amazing because all three of my jobs were gone right when when this happened when everything the big stop mm -hmm. happened and so um it's really it feel it just feels so touching to you know to get an opportunity to do music and to be supported at the same time yeah it's nice to know that the listeners will continue to support the artists they 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 like when they're given the chance Absolutely. And I had people who were like my neighbors reaching out to me. Oh, great new song. And I was like, wow, you, <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah. It's really nice. Did you record the song at home? Uh, it's yeah, it's all home stuff. And it's, okay. it's built around this sample of uh, my Ryan Maria bandmate Kaya's um, voice. Like we took this funny sample and 
of, of nothing that's musical at all, but just her talking and um, turned it into like the rhythm section, basically. I would, I would have never guessed that was a voice. <laughs> right? It, to me, it sounds like um, I'm in a, some kind of um, indoor like bird park or something because I feel like I hear a bird in it every time chirping <laughs> every time it feels very nature driven mm -hmm. which I like because that's the like never-ending theme in all my work is trees and birds and nature but um mm -hmm. yeah so we so um that's like the majority of it. and then there's just like a little bit of keys and then voice my yeah. voice but it's really, it's like, it's built from so little. And I think I wanted that aesthetic as well. Mm -hmm. You know, like we have so little right now, like New York Times is posting recipes about, or no, how to use sardines. You know, it's like, we, we don't have a lot right now. So we're trying yeah. to make something really tasty out of what, what little we have. Yeah, I guess minimalism is sort of the outfit for right now. <laughs> right. And I think years from now, we'll look back and see so much art and other advances whatever whatever mm -hmm. um we're gonna see years from now that are directly related to this time oh i'm sure we will even once it's over people will still be making the stuff that was based or rooted in this time mm. yeah the song was um to my ears anyway quite different from your other solo work though um mm. you know uh, you mentioned since you've been doing solo work you do you've had a couple solo albums but they were more a gentle in tone, mm -hmm. a little more organic, I think, sounding. Mm -hmm. and then right, yeah. By four was sort of, I mean, again, I didn't know it was a voice, but there is sort of almost like this mechanical quality to it. For sure. And yeah. I think I was attracted to the sound of that sample because what you hear is mechanical. I kind of hear sort of this like clangy ga gamelan kind of thing. And I hmm. studied gamelan. Um, orchestra in college in, in Wisconsin and was able to dance and perform also play in the Gamelong Orchestra. So it kind of reminded mm -hmm. me of that, like the Southeast Asia mm -hmm. sort of um, metal percussive orchestra. Um, and yeah, the, my other solo records, I've definitely worked with other musicians who are, you know, we're playing acoustically, we're playing mm -hmm. traditional acoustic instruments. Um, but I think also on with my with my next batch of songs that I'm working on right now, so um, there's a there's a variety of stuff. But going back to school for music has really broadened my um, desire, or, or you know, exposure and desire mm -hmm. to just go places I haven't before. Yeah, I've yeah. heard that from people who maybe always did music habitually and then studied it later in life, that it yeah. can sort of open you up to maybe some sort of new perspective or get you out of the corner that maybe you had painted yourself into. Yeah, um, I've heard that before, that that can be sort of eye-opening. Yeah, I think more than ever, I trust myself to just have uh, a melody line like a I have the whole song sung in my head and then I can just take a track and lay it on that and like transpose the key or the the rhythm or whatever but I already have a song germinated you know like I have a fully formed song I'm just not sure where it's going to plant and take root mm -hmm. you know like 
um, so like those lyrics that's that that's singing, I sort of just like got it done really fast. Like it just oof was born. I didn't really belabor it too much, but I found because I had done all this vocal training too, like singing all these um foray songs and singing in the school choir and church choir now, um, that you know, I'm I I'm interested my I just trust my voice to just sort of do its own thing now in a way yeah so you just trust yourself and your artistic instincts maybe a little more a little more readily I think so I think so like I I just and I want to get things out fast you know I don't want to labor over them yeah I think that can be good though I think so so is this a new solo thing you're working on yeah or do you not want to say (laughs) no no that's fine I'm not hiding anything okay (laughs) um no in fact I released a a song we did a split seven inch with Pogo um Hmm. a band that I toured a band from Tampa Florida I toured Japan with last year we did a split seven inch and so that song also is kind of from this this batch of songs I've been working on for a bunch of years now I mean there's going to be stuff on it that's quite old and then stuff that's quite new like five four but um Mm -hmm. I think uh I'm hoping this year or I'm hoping it'll be ready to go this year or maybe early next year but again it's kind of like I don't really need to wait you know like to see which way the winds are blowing like I know that things are going to be there's not going to be a lot of shows you know it's going to be it's going to look really different so um We'll see. I'm supposed to go to Canada in September with Mike again, but I'm not sure that's going to happen. It's hard to tell. Yeah, it is. I'm trying to maintain hope that it won't take till next spring for everything to reopen. But I'm not really sure how that's going to go. No, no. I mean, they're even saying we're going to have to practice this stuff till 2022. It just seems very far away, but. 2022 well, you know, seems very far away. <laughs> I'm not sure it'll, I don't think it'll take that long. I, yeah, I know, not. right? I hope not. But I mean, um, if we have a vaccine by next spring, <laughs> I don't see why not. No. Hopefully yeah. it's next spring. I mean, I know vaccines take a long time to make, so hopefully we can get one as soon as possible. Yeah, we definitely, well, who knows? I'm, I, I'm, I don't even want to say I'm hopeful. <laughs> I know it's dangerous because, to be hopeful. Like, I'd rather have, I, so I meditate twice a day. I do a guided meditation with um, my acupuncturist. Actually, is doing free guided meditations, which is amazing. He's in oh, that's New York. Nice. <laughs> yeah, um, but he talks about like not even this hopeful thinking or positive thinking, like just magical thinking. I'm like, I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you. I can, I can, as a mother, as like an artist, I, or whatever, as a person who's always had one foot in Narnia, like I, I'm, I'm with the magical thinking. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned some of the solo songs will be pretty old. I imagine after your last record came out in I think 2011, um, did, you you probably didn't like stop writing songs for yourself I'm guessing right so and they just um, add up yeah they do <laughs> <laughs> um but I was very into being a full-time parent and mm-hmm. um doing other creative things so yeah they 
like you're right they have piled up you know there's like dozens and dozens of stuff that I'm picking through now and seeing going back and being like oh is there something there but there's stuff that I've really already like really fleshed out with other musicians um that I'm excited for people to hear Hmm. and um like people I haven't worked with before and um instruments I haven't used before Mm -hmm. um and uh really going back to my intention of being a writer of being a poet and then setting those words to music. Yeah. That makes sense. That was always my, that was always my intention with Rainer Maria. Even from Um, the beginning. Yeah. We would always, we'd mine our poetry because that's how Kai and I met was in a poetry class. Oh, okay. um, At the university of Wisconsin. So. Yeah. I was going to ask about how you guys ended up getting together in the first place. Hmm. Yeah, it's ama- all I really know is that you guys were a Wisconsin-based group. I don't know the story. <laughs> right, yeah. We were, I literally was just walking into a poetry class, or walking into the elevator to get to this poetry class, and Kaya walked in, and I was just like, whoa, energy, yes, this person. <laughs> and um, we, like, immediately were scheduling, you know, study groups outside of class, mm-hmm. and then just became close and then collaborated and um so yeah definitely came out of and I wasn't even a musician at that point I mean I had played piano growing up and I danced a lot I was a trained dancer but um I had not picked up a bass guitar before and Kaya was like I think you should and I said I think so too (laughs) and so (laughs) then we we formed I mean but it was just so fun to be able to do that full time and tour. Yeah. You know, and play 200 shows a year and Oh wow. Um It was amazing. It I was mean, how, how quickly after you two met would you say Rainer Maria was fully going? Was it, was it a quick process? Yeah, like a yeah. few weeks or months. Oh wow. I mean, we were playing really fast because we were organizing shows in Madison, so we had bands coming through all the time and we were um you know, doing shows for like everyone, dismemberment plans, Slater Kinney, all the Chicago people. Hmm. Um, so like the makeup came through and played in our basement and we're like, this will be our first show. Well, why don't we open for them? You know, and it's terrifying. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a musician. Okay, I'm in a band. But like, I love that. I, I always try to do things that are really terrifying. So that does it, was- Does it still terrify you to play live? Uh, yeah. A little bit. <laughs> no, no, definitely. I've, definitely. I've changed a little bit. Like when Reiner's reformed, I sort of was like, hmm, okay. You know, it's pretty paralyzing to be so nervous, afraid or whatever for like three quarters of the set. So is there something I can do to kind of relax a little more? I mean, I looked at other musicians like thinking, gosh, what do they do that gets them to that point where they're just so in the moment and relax so I just um realized that there were like two words that I could I realized I could harness like I'm delighted to to be there and Mm -hmm. I just want to be delightful because like it's so joyful to me so um oh yeah no it's totally terrifying but I I just had an amazing live experience when I was playing solo at my at the University of Bridgeport where I'm going to school I was, and I had all my peers around me, everyone in the music department and then a whole bunch of other stuff. And um, one song I 
was playing, I play pretty minimal when I'm playing solo and I just was playing my bass and people started just all of a sudden picked up the percussion with their hands. And I was just like transported, you know, when you feel your community around you holding you up like that. And I was like, I mean, just reified what I believe is like, and what we started out at the beginning, like we're there for each other Mm -hmm. really. So um, if I can harness that feeling, that, that passing back and forth of joy and experimentation and delight, then I'm going to feel more, much more relaxed. Yeah. And would you say that, would you say it's easier to perform for people, you know, than the, than the crowds of strangers? No. Well, it depends, but <laughs> yeah, I would think I it depends. Think no. <laughs> I think, I think, no, I used to feel more nervous playing New York shows and, you know, cause you knew people who would show up. Yeah. yeah. And I think what I'm afraid of is like really revealing my true self mm-hmm. because like, I, I love my family so much. And at the same time, I'm pretty protective of who I am. Um, just because of, we just have different lifestyles or I don't know what, like in general, we're, we're probably all the same, but you know, we're all different expressions of the same creature, basically all everyone on this planet. Like we're just one yeah. thing. We're just human, yeah. just different expression of that. But um, yeah, I just, I'm, I think what it comes down to is I'm just working on not being worried about just being myself. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that can be a very long, journey as I also know (laughs) Mm. Mm -hmm. but I can imagine playing for strangers could be easier in a sense because you can reveal it and then you go away Mm. you know and you never have to know that that person on the left side understood who you were and if they did or didn't you you won't talk to them and you won't know so Mm -hmm. I mean I can imagine being really vulnerable and sort of more open than usual with people you do know mm-hmm. I would be more terrified by that since then you're going to get off stage and they're going to come talk to you mm-hmm. so that it's that immediacy of that return I think that would be a little scary to me for sure and I think there's a little bit of not acting but I mean I try on different feelings you know when I'm playing so mm-hmm. you know because I was trained as a dancer as a performer so I I I can't, you know, I can try different things with people who don't know me, but you know, the people who do are going to really see through that. So yeah. What is the authentic self that I want to, I, 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 I wish I had had some more training on in how to reveal that authentic self, to be honest, in my mm-hmm. education or even anecdotally with other people or, you know, I'm not yeah. sure what it, but, um, it's now it's more important to me than ever because if I don't get to that point where I feel like that finally in my life, like what was all this work for really? Right. And I know people's, I mean, I look at all the musicians I know who've had longevity, who have a long career and like maybe I cherish an album of theirs that's from, you know, two decades ago, but there's, but they're still putting out music. Like, um, I can start to appreciate that now as I get older, that like you're on a journey and you're trying to find out something for yourself as well. You know, like you're, it's just crucial for you to keep doing the work regardless of whether you're fulfilling people's expectations of what they want you to do at this point, you know? Yeah. 
So is, is any of that what led to Rainer Maria coming back? Um, or I, I think, guess like why did after so long did you guys decide to, to do another album? It kind of came together pretty organically because there was time for a few years that we weren't even on the same continent together. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of traveling going on and people pursuing different paths in their lives. And then I don't know if it was Kaya's idea originally, but just to get together to have a meal together. And then we sort of tested the waters and we're like, well, let's, maybe we could play some songs. Like, and it wasn't even really, let's do a record or let's play a show. It was just, why don't we just write together again and see what that feels like? And so, you know, we wrote, we wrote a whole batch of songs that didn't wind up on the record. (laughs) And um, (laughs) then we, and recorded those. And um, then we just, started in again in a different space like writing in a different space can always change things up as well so mm-hmm. um it just kind of came together organically without any you know plan yeah it just sort of came to be it was mm-hmm. time i guess mm-hmm. um and then the newest record the st record was that am i am i right in remember thinking that it was self-produced yes wait well (laughs) sort of yes sort of yeah i mean um joe i mean we yeah well we we chose we kind of decided that kai and i were had a conversation we're like you know bill's kind of driving this ship right now like why don't we give him that role like Mm. see what that's like so um you know we great we asked him and he graciously agreed to do that to sort of fill those shoes for us because I love to write music and song and lyrics and perform when when it comes to recording I'm also like very happy to make a lot of decisions but also collaborate with decision makers like Mm -hmm. I you know I I really just want to surround myself with people I trust and you know as like when you're going in for some kind of medical procedure you you want to find the people that you want to work with you know and then yeah. you kind of have to surrender a little bit it's your body that's being worked on but you know they're the ones that are that you trust to do some of the really important stuff and all the other Ryan and Maria records were different producers yeah at least then st they were different producers yeah than yeah ST, right yeah. Mm-hmm. we certainly had a whole lot to say about everything in the process like we never really surrendered all that Mm -hmm. up um but uh we worked really closely with i mean we we worked so close like with mark haynes for instance he was very gracious this wanted to be credited as you know the engineer even though he's did a whole bunch of work other than that so i think again we just chose to work with people who were just phenomenal in what they do and then also mm-hmm. graciously gener- generous is what i'm trying to say generous with mm-hmm. you know sharing credit or understanding that we're working together on it yeah and it does feel to, to my ears um it does feel different than your other work with the band you mean um, self-titled yeah or st yeah 
I thought yeah. I, not in a bad way at all. I think it's sure. a great record, but um, it just it sounded it sounded like time had passed, but in a good way. Like it mm-hmm. sounded like it was a little um, the sound was like deeper and a little rougher, but also the mix was very clear despite it being like that. Mm. And there were some moments on the record where you guys kind of slowed it down and got almost in an almost like an ambient direction. Mm. Um, while still very much being a rock album um, mm. that I just felt like I can't remember offhand feeling like I had that perception from any other Rainer Maria album. Mm-hmm. So it was it was nice to see a band come back after so long, um, a very established band come back after so long and 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 sound like you all, you know, learned some stuff and, and, and changed and grew, but you were still definitely the same band. Mm. At least that's how I interpreted it when I heard it. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, yeah, we certainly can't take, you know, I really can't change. I don't think my style of writing or singing mm-hmm. so much um, so, to become unrecognizably Ryan and Maria. But um, we certainly wrote like more, I feel more driving songs that were less about um I think they were more about us playing together yeah, more than ever and a kind of writing a groove rather than the three of us coming together with three very separate parts, mm-hmm. um, which I, neither I'm saying is better or worse, just a different kind of, but yeah, then we, there's only three of us playing the same instruments. So we still had the sonic kind of sensibility that maybe we always had, but like, um, I did use an effects pedal for the first time ever. So that was a huge difference (laughs) for me because I just usually like a pretty honest bass sound. Yeah. But I do feel like the communal atmosphere is, is evident in the album. Mm. I think you can kind of hear it in the, the way that all the three parts or four, if you count five, if you count all the voices, Mm. just kind of link up and it, it feels like you were playing together. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you recorded it live, but it does feel like you were you were playing together. Yeah, no, we did. They all that's all recorded live. Yeah, it's not, it, you can kind of tell. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I just really um, enjoyed that part of the, that that facet of the album. Oh, I'm glad. That's cool. I did want to ask: Was there a moment though, since Rainer Maria was what was and is a pretty established band? Um, was there a moment when you guys felt like you realized that or like you made it quote unquote, or do you sort of reject that idea? <laughs> um, it goes, I, I immediately, I had this memory come to mind, which is the one I always go back to. Like I understood a little bit about our um, greater reach, I guess, when way back, maybe it was like long knives drawn or something like, I'm sure what tour it was, but it was before, might've been around 2000, Hmm. but it was just one of our biggest tours. We played um, Bowery Ballroom, which is a Mm -hmm. beautiful venue and it sounds amazing, but not that big really as venues go, but, Mm -hmm. but big for us. And I just remember the lights went up in the audience and I saw people way in the, like all the way, the last person in the back of the room and their face was illuminated engaged smiling happy and I was like oh my gosh that person way back there 
is is like feeling what I'm feeling way up here. So I could understand that there was a lot of people. I think that must have been before Long Knives. That must have been maybe like I don't know. Password searching. I'm not even sure which record it was, to be <laughs> honest, but it was long ago that I sort of felt like, oh, well, there's at least 350 people that are really <laughs> yeah. into this music. So that's a lot of people. And that that's way more than I ever imagined could right. ever be possible. Because, you know, back in the day when we were playing literally on the floor of people's homes or playing with American football to like 12 people or whatever. <laughs> Like, this was beyond my wildest dreams or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and it's sort of that sharing of the joy that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Sort of realizing it in the people watching, that that delight of being there is is both yours and, and theirs, hopefully. Yeah, because I have found such great delight in music. Like, that's where I connected with it first, was as a listener, you know, in, mm-hmm. in grade school and high school especially oh my god like vinyl was just my church yeah every day in my room I had my vinyl out listening to whole albums by myself just really engaging to music to what people were doing and so you know I would just marvel at musicians kind of like ah like you have this chance to play this instrument and then get your work out there, you know, like that's incredible. So, um, I don't, I still don't feel like a musician really, even though I would, you know, in my unemployment application last two weeks ago or three, how many weeks ago? (laughs) They only just got back to me today, actually. Oh, I'm sure. I, and I think (laughs) I want to say that it's like four or five. Yes. Yeah, so, so I'm yeah. a musician, but I still, I still have a hard time identifying with that. Do you know why? Uh, I still feel like I need to be fluent in music theory and be be less like music is like one part of my life. Mm-hmm. I still feel that way. It's still just one part of my life. It's not. Yeah everything but it, in a way it kind of is everything it de- yeah it depends which angle you look at it from yeah although i think it's healthy to have more elements going on mm. most of the time anyway i think if you if you put your 100 self into one thing whatever that thing is i don't know i think that could get sticky sometimes sure but, yeah um is it something that you're like a like a I don't want to say that you you're not aware of it, but is there something to being in a band like Ryan and Maria where like you are aware of I guess the band's sort of place in in music in music history? I mean, you guys came from the Wisconsin scene. You were very you are very much um, maybe st less so, but you were very much involved with the sort of emo rock scene um of the late 90s and early 2000s and i feel like when people bring up that time reiner maria is very often cited um so i just like i don't know how that is that something that you think about is that something that that feels a certain way to like know that you were part of such an established thing it i mean i i certainly recall 
the scene with fondness um, mm. because there weren't a lot of female identified people in it. So no, to be, there definitely weren't. Yeah. So to be, to, to have not, you know, to feel like I was part of, I feel like to represent, you know, I'm glad that I, c I can represent that, that there was like nuances to the scene. It wasn't just one thing. Yeah. And, um, but that's also speaks to the generosity of everyone else who was in that scene. You know, I don't mean right. to include me like, Oh, we're generously including you, but you know, <laughs> just like people were, at least in the Midwest, I didn't feel like people were hung up on certain things, you know, certain whatever achievements that we were trying, that we were seeking. It literally was just like play time, play time, you know, music yeah. time. We're playing yeah. together. We're kids. We're playing. Um, and then I guess I feel like sometimes I feel like, cause I have thought about it a little bit. Like I, sometimes I feel like Reiner's role is not like just set into one square you know isn't set into one how can I talk about this it's hard to talk about but I feel like it's still elusive a little bit like how we how who we were how, or what genre we fit in or how yeah. it's defined um because because we came from such different music backgrounds and um we, we, we were kind of other in a way in a sense but you know I, we're not unique or anything. I'm just saying, like, what am I trying to say? You, I, you can tell I have a hard time talking about it. Um, can you ask it a different way? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can. I can say what I think you're trying to say. I might be wrong, but it sounds like you're you're trying not to say that you were this totally unique organism that no one else was ever like. Oh, but, I would never say that. Yeah, but you are, <laughs> but I think you are trying to say that there was some sort of, like you said, other, I think that's a good term, like some otherness to what you guys were doing, or maybe you just offered it in a slightly different light or angle that maybe was making you guys a little less definable. Maybe. 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 Something like maybe that. I always I quite often was like, what are we doing on this bill? You mm -hmm. know, and I was psyched about that. But at the same time, I was like, where do we fit in? Yeah. And um, so but that that could just speak volumes about how I see myself. <laughs> <laughs> where possible. do I fit in? Yeah. So I I. I like I really love and cherish reading people from a different generation writing about it because their words are going to be really different describing it, you know, and we, like I've now that I've seen, you know, like I've come through the era where we were disparaged for, for our sound, you know? Yeah. And that whole scene was disparaged to now it's being talked about in different contexts. And. Oh, definitely. So I, I think it's sort of, you know, if you're, if you're just patient and not too attached to what you're doing, you know, like what's, how they're going to write about you or where you're going to fit in, like just keep doing your work. Yeah. Then, then it can be quite interesting to see how it all shakes up in the end. It's interesting too, because the ST album is sort of the only one you guys have released in the sort of like 
super online era, mm. you know, when, when catastrophe came out, obviously blogs already existed. I know pitchwork was around, but it wasn't the way it is now. Right. So when ST came out 10 years later, it was just like, you know, it's, it's dropped and there's 13 reviews already on, on Metacritic. And it's just like people mm. tweeting and people posting and it must, it must be so different to be a band in, you know, 1996 versus 2016 versus now. It must be. I mean, you're, you, the time that you're being talked about is much briefer. Yeah. You know, like you, you get a record out and then, and then it's just like, and then gone. Yep. Yeah. That's and um, so when people are asking me, what are you listening to? I'm still talking about stuff from a year ago because I feel like it wasn't talked about enough. Yeah. And yeah. there's so much stuff too, that I yeah. feel like we are always sort of playing catch up. For sure. Yeah. It's great. It's amazing. That was actually going to be where uh, where I ended because I've been liking asking people what they are engaging with artistically, especially right now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what things that they might be watching or reading or listening to to sort of spend your time with these days. Yeah, I'm really envious. I mean, I'm not really envious of anyone right now, but <laughs> um, <laughs> I wish I I wish I either made more time or had more time to. To, to do that kind of thing. I think being, you know, my, I'm bowing in appreciation to all people who are caregivers right now, Yeah. because that's taking up a lot of time when you're doing it 24 seven. And yeah, especially trying to make sure my kids are getting a great education, you know, but um, mm -hmm. when I do steal some time for myself, which it feels like I'm doing, I feel so guilty, but <laughs> like there's something you should be doing stop watching this web, web seminar or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm loving watching, do you know the band Tiny Ruins? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. I don't, know, I don't think I've really heard them, but I, I know yeah. who they are. From New Zealand. So she, Holly, who's the singer, um, well, and maybe she's the band, I believe, um, has been on Facebook playing solo little mm. sets in her, in some kind of space in New Zealand. So I, I love, and she talks a lot and, I'm really, I love her. I cherish all her songs so much. Mm -hmm. So it's great to see her performing them solo like that. Um, and then, oh, is it DJ D nice? I don't want to say if anyway, he's incredible DJ who's playing stuff from LA and he's on Instagram a lot. And I'm constantly like my friends from, the past are like I saw you listening to to D Nice's set and I'm like yeah because it's amazing so like I'm trying to dance a lot actually and listen to mm -hmm. dance music and um and then I'm also reading um Flea's autobiography Acid oh. for the Children which my kids think is the funniest title and um <laughs> the cover photo they constantly are looking at it just being like what the mom this is what is this <laughs> <laughs> So, well, I'm glad I you mean, have some, yeah. some things to uh, escape with sometimes. Yeah. They're more valuable now than ever, I would say. Oh my gosh. Like when you get into, when you're baking and just feeling so good about making something, it's just, yeah. It's yeah. Awesome. I was going to ask if you've, if you've, joined, <laughs> if you've joined the bread baking craze yet. <laughs> <laughs> Not bread. No, I, yeah. I've tried bread and I fail. So um, I just do a lot of cookies. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, I like doing that as well. I've been hesitant to try making bread because I feel like I'm going to screw it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's possible. <laughs> That's an art form that it I really love. is. I, I, I'm in I'm in awe of all bread makers. Oh my gosh. And it's such a long process when you watch mm -hmm. like the, the time lapse videos of people making bread and that you just <sighs> think about how long it was and yeah. Oh, really makes you appreciate those. The people who like the small businesses just selling the bread they make. Yes, there's one oh, in Darien. There's one in Darien called Flour Salt Water Bread. And they're one of, I mean, there's only like 200 bakeries in the world that are doing like this, like the sourdough that, that they're doing. I mean, if you want to ever make an epic journey to Darien, because it's quite far for you, I would imagine. It's like an hour. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> you have to pre-order the bread and wait in line to get it. I mean, but it is worth it. They are artisans. It's mm. incredible. And if anything comes out of all of this, I hope that we all are able to get our food game on with, <laughs> I know. with like real food and get off of the like quasi food that we were being offered you know yeah maybe a stronger appreciation for the artisans like that mm. yeah we'll see hopefully <laughs> right magical thinking magical sourdough thinking. everywhere <laughs> oh that'd be fine with me <laughs> gluten free if you need it <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for talking to me caitlin it's been really nice chatting with you yeah definitely jeremy i'm so going to be thinking about you and all teachers hoping yeah, that likewise. things yeah and good, um good luck with finishing your program i hope thanks. i hope this doesn't make things too hard for for you or or either of us really cuz we don't really know what the future is going to look like yeah definitely curious about that but please stay in touch so that i know how it works out and yeah i will i'll do the same but and also um when you have you put any of the have you you haven't put it up yet right the podcast no, there, at all there's one up um okay. from wednesday with with adam wiltsey oh cool and yeah. we're okay so it's awesome. everywhere it should be everywhere yeah. it's on okay. spotify it's on rad okay. probably apple music so you can find it and I'll, I'll send you a link when this one goes up okay sounds awesome all right well thank you very much for thanks me, jeremy thank me an you hour very of much. your day <laughs> yeah it was a pleasure thanks okay. take care you too bye bye, bye.